Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast brought to you by NAPPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am Michaela Isler, NAPPAC's Executive Director, and I am joined by our notable NABPACer, Abigail Cave, our producer and consultant, Adam Belmar of EFB Advocacy, and Senior Strategist at Federal Street Strategies, Darren Parks. In this Holy Week, as Americans remain self-isolated and our nation's healthcare heroes continue their brave work, please know that we are continuing to pray for you and your loved ones, and we hope that everyone is able to remain safe and healthy. So with that, let's get started, everybody. Hello again, Abigail Cave and Adam Belmar. Great to be here. Thanks for having me again, Michaela. And welcome, Darren Parks, to the Facts About PACs podcast. We are thrilled to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I am excited about my first podcast. Wonderful. So it's been another busy week with most of us completing week four of social distancing. And you can almost maybe begin to feel people settling into this new norm. Last week on our first episode of Facts About PACs podcast, we provided a high-level overview of our last two webinars and discussed ways to possibly rethink solutions solicitation efforts this year by incorporating a PAC match program that could benefit both the PAC and COVID-19 recovery efforts. So as we moved into this week, NAPAC has had a wonderful opportunity yesterday to host our first virtual town hall with Congresswoman and former Health and Human Services Secretary Donna Shalala from Florida's 27th Congressional District, representing Miami and the surrounding eastern suburbs. Gosh, she was so gracious with her time and certainly was someone who is so uniquely qualified to discuss this crisis. We were so pleased to have her with us as our guest. Abigail is a current congresswoman and former university president and, of course, former HHS secretary. She really had a great perspective on the crisis and also our response to the crisis from a variety of different lenses, if you will. And I'm just curious what your key takeaways were from her comments, particularly as it relates to some of the infrastructure concerns she laid out. Uh, yeah, Michaela, her insight was super enlightening and super invaluable. One of the key takeaways that stood out to me was her role as a university president before she was HHS secretary before she was a congresswoman, she was the president of the University of Miami. So one of the questions that was asked was how she thought universities were responding and how they, how she thought this would affect higher education and universities moving forward. She said that she was glad to see all of the technological capabilities that universities had to bring classes online, but that the faculty members, some of the professors, weren't quite ready for that big jump. So it was going to be something that was important in the future to be prepared for, that even though we've been doing online classes for years at this point, people just weren't quite ready to make that jump. Also, on the flip side of that, the online classes aren't a substitute for in-person connection, in-person learning. So I think moving forward, we'll have a lot of work to do on how to respond in future crises to that kind of things. The bigger piece of what she talked about was how the government is responding and how businesses are responding to this crisis. She was proud of the way that businesses have been so innovative and how the free market has addressed a lot of these crises. But then she also talked about the government response and how there's still a lot to be done. One of her big points was how the infrastructure just isn't there at this point. We don't have the resources we need. We don't have buys we need and we can't get them to the people who need them, especially in terms of the stimulus package they just put out. The Small Business Administration and the states are in charge of deploying that, but it's going to be weeks before businesses see any of the checks that they've been promised they're not properly staffed and they don't have the resources to move this quickly. She also said it's important that we're speaking, we meaning the government, speaking with one voice, the CDC, the HHS, the White House, which as we've seen in the news cycle, that's not quite the case sometimes. So it was just really interesting to get her perspective on this, especially with her background as HHS secretary in the Clinton administration, how she would have responded to this and how she's responding to it as a congresswoman. 
Yeah, I thought that was really insightful too. Adam, there were obviously several questions related to the business impact and the lasting effects the crisis will likely have, but also there was discussion around the disconnect small businesses are facing from the relief efforts that Abigail just alluded to. Curious what your take was on her response to those questions. The Donna Shalala Teletown Hall that NABPAC sponsored was fantastic. She is the rarest of birds in Washington, D.C. She has literally done it all. And I think for many people who don't even begin to understand what is in the portfolio of a director of health and human services, this is from a public health perspective, really in her alley. But of course, she represents South Florida. She's got big and small businesses. And she really made the point that while Congress is working together at the moment to put the sustaining elements together for businesses of all sizes that we have to recognize the disconnect that exists, Michaela. And specifically, Donna Shalala spoke about how that money that's moving out the door in the trillions of dollars is not well suited to connect directly and in a timely fashion with small businesses. That's mom and pop businesses. That's the gig economy. That is much less about the great big industries like the airlines and the cruise ships and others. These are folks who, as owners of businesses, are so much more worried about keeping their employees afloat and their families, making that payroll. And so she talked a lot about how state and local governments need to continue to work with the federal government to make these connections. We've got antiquated systems running all over the place. And even as Zoom is ascendant, the way we do our normal work is probably not up to this task. And so it's not enough just to pass a bill and walk away and say we did our part. She's really telling her colleagues in Congress and anyone who will listen, especially the leaders within NABPAC and their their constituencies, that we need to keep educating and finding ways to find a solution, even as we figure out what more problems exist. Yeah, and I think too, as we sort of segue over to Darren, as we think about the next round of relief that may be coming, we can't even get the first round of money out to the businesses. (laughs) And now we're looking at potentially uh, trying to get more, which is appropriate to try to get more out the door, but that certainly disconnect of getting the money out now is, is a real problem. And I appreciated her insight on that. Darren, the Senate was eyeing possible action this week to approve approximately a quarter trillion dollars to the new relief to small businesses. Obviously, it's Thursday. What are you hearing as it relates to the next phase of funding being injected into the Paycheck Protection Program and future legislative action? So it, it looks like they did not come to the bipartisan agreement that they they needed to come to today in order to inject the new round uh, immediately. They'll try again, uh, I assume, next week. And we really hope that, that it'll go beyond. I mean, there, there were a lot of, of holes in that Paycheck Protection Program, as, as you know. But so many member organizations of NABPAC that are trade associations, 501c6s, other non-taxed entities that were left out but still have a tremendous impact on the American economy in terms of the number of jobs that they have the industries that they represent and ensuring that, you know, those folks are able to keep their jobs. You know, you look at the new unemployment numbers, uh, you know, they're expecting another 6.6 million unemployment claims this week. Well, a lot of those folks are going to be unfortunately coming from nonprofit trade associations. And how do we ensure that the money that we allocate can really stretch as far and wide as possible is what they need to be looking at. 
for the benefit of our listeners, NAPAC is also a 501c6 organization, as are many of our members. NAPAC joined this week over 3,000 other 501c6 organizations to lobby Congress to be included in the next round of funding. A lot of them, small chambers of commerce and many other organizations. What are you hearing from your contacts on the Hill around the lobbying efforts to get the 501c6 organizations included, which are you know really essential to continuing to provide jobs and run the country. It's funny, the first time you bring it up to most offices, they say, really, they're not included? And so that's their first thought is we would assume that every organization, every employer, unless we specifically excluded them, would have access to these funds. And it was never most of their intent, rank and file members intent to exclude associations. Having said that, I think that it is very much drinking from a fire hose for all of them. And they're trying to figure out what are those priorities that they need for their constituents. So rising above the noise is certainly difficult. I am hopeful that as there is additional movement on infusions of cash into the programs, that Congress will reconsider and ensure trade associations and the like can be included. And I think there's there's a real possibility. I, I don't know that I would put odds on anything these days <laughs> because uh, we are in a very, very new atmosphere. But I do believe that it is making its way to folks. And, and even Congresswoman Shalala mentioned or talked about it on, on the call yesterday. Uh, which which I thought was important. And, and she's someone, given her experience, who the leadership I'm sure is listening to. And if they're not, they'd be crazy not to. I'm hopeful that she is being listened to and just was curious from your perspective, if they're tapping into her unique ability to talk about all of these issues. Oh, I'm, I'm sure they are. I think about the fact on the call, she said she was the one who created the national stockpile in the first place. Yep. And if you are not talking to the person who created the stockpile in the first place, then we have a lot more problems than (laughs) we're going to be able to solve. So I am certain that for a range of issues, as the leadership tries to cobble together something effective for the country, that they will be talking to her on all those fronts. So Darren, what's your take on where we end up in the next couple of weeks with Congress? I know they're out now. What are you hearing about their return? And what are the next steps that you're hearing? Certainly they are scheduled to come back in towards the end of the month. But at the same time, if if you look at the projections for D.C., that is probably not going to be a good time for them to come back into session. So I'm not really sure how they are planning to move forward. I don't think that unanimous consent is going to be something that at least in the House, is going to happen. It's already been demonstrated that at least one member of the House is not willing to do that. So they are going to have to come back in sooner rather than later. I mean, the reason that they were talking about the infusion of cash into the Paycheck Protection Program is because it's going to run out of money and they are going to have to do something. And then there's there's so much other to do with increasing funding for hospitals and, and healthcare workers working on the other part. So we heard about the fact that, that Congresswoman Shalala created the national stockpile in midday. And then by the end of the day, we heard that the stockpile was empty in the news. So there are going to have to be efforts to replenish the stockpile. So there are going to be lots of things that they're going to have to do within the next few weeks. So I think they're going to do everything that they can to create consensus. There are a ton of calls every day, quite frankly, with members, larger caucus meetings, smaller committee meetings, phone calls, trying to get to consensus, and even working in a bipartisan way, which I think is fantastic, to try to do everything we can to make it as quick and efficient as possible. So 
my guess is, if I had to take a guess, they'll they'll push probably back another week or two if they can to not have everyone come back to D.C. to extend social distancing. But then probably around early-ish May is my guess when they will come back. But who knows? Remains to be seen. Well, Abigail, as we wrap up the week, what do we have on tap for our members in the next couple of days for resources? Tomorrow, we are testing out a new virtual meetup. We are individual member associations. So people who are made up of membership organizations are going to come together and we're going to do essentially a WebEx hangout where we can talk about things that are affecting our organizations. It's the first of its kind. So we're going to practice together. We're going to figure it out. Trey Richardson from Stage Jack Public Affairs is going to help us moderate. So if that applies to you, please jump on or send us an email at madpack at madpack.org and we'll send you the dial-in information. It'll be at noon Eastern time tomorrow. Next week, we have quite a few events going on. We'll have our new member orientation. So if you are new to NAPAC in the last six months to a year, feel free to reach out and we'll give you the information on that. Well, I want to thank Abigail and Adam and Darren for your time today. Another great episode of Facts About Packs. And to all of you listening, thank you for all of the positive feedback from our very first episode last week. We love hearing from you. We love to hear your suggestions on future topics, guests, and shows. So please reach out to us anytime. Uh, Abigail mentioned we have a lot of resources posted on our website, including the special COVID-19 section. So please take a look there for updates and new resources for your benefit. And finally, I'd like to just give a special thanks to Adam Belmar and EFB Advocacy for hosting and producing our weekly podcasts, as it would not be possible for us to have this program without their support and incredible talent. With that, I want to wish everyone a happy Passover and Easter, and thank you for listening today. See you next week.